Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference. For more details on how to attend, that's outcomesrocket.health conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in again. And I've got an amazing guest for you today. He's a healthcare leader that specializes in the aging population and how do we best optimize resources. His name is Joe Schneider. He's the co-founder and advisor at Cognition. And he was also CEO for five years. Now he's off to his newest venture where he's the CEO at Trusty Care. And at Trusty Care, they're making it easy to sign up for Medicare, Medicaid, and Medigap. I'm really excited to have him on here. He was a member of the Hive, as well as other really up-and-coming hubs of medicine that, that really build leaders that grow companies to the next level. And so I'm privileged to host Joe on the podcast and welcome him. So Joe, what I'd love is if you could uh, chime in a little bit there on the introduction, fill in any of the gaps that I have uh, missed. Sure. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I actually started in the education space with a focus on behavioral change in the education space. And about 10 years ago, um, got approached by some behavioral research scientists to start building out products for the digital health space. And in the beginning, we were really sort of bridging the gap between those two spaces. And then I made sort of the full leap over into digital health uh, about nine years ago. And since then, I've had uh, the honor, really, of doing some pretty incredible work with some researchers, which the incredible part was on their side, around drug adherence and addiction. And then five years ago, I founded Cognotion with my co-founder, Jonathan Darianani. And the mission of Cognotion was to look at how do we solve the problem of the talent shortage in healthcare for the aging population specifically. So areas in the healthcare market where we are seeing these massive talent shortages. We spent five years working on that and then most recently founded a trustee in January of this year, so it's brand new. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited. It's a scary but exciting time of a startup. (laughs) So yeah, I guess that brings us today. That's wonderful. And Joe, why did you decide to get into healthcare? So I've had a real passion for looking at how you can get people to change their story about themselves to just sort of drive behavioral change, sort of with a focus on, on the cognitive behavioral therapy sort of focus to see if you get someone to start to say, I can do something, can they actually do it? 
And in the beginning, I was I was really looking at just direct applications in the education market, things like early childhood literacy, and didn't have healthcare on my mind at all. And I was approached by this one researcher at NYU, and she saw what we were doing in education, and she had the first vision of bridging that gap and bringing us over in the healthcare space. And so the first products that we started putting out with her were designed to work with really complex communities that were real disenfranchised and to see how we could positively impact them in healthcare. And it was just a trial run for me. I had no idea if it was going to work, but the results were phenomenal and it really caught my eye. And one of the things that's like a real driver for me is is the, the, the sense of, can you measure what you're doing and to know that it's actually effective? And healthcare, that was much clearer than it was in education. So I really enjoyed that piece of it, and that was sort of what pulled me over full on into the healthcare space. What an interesting uh, story, Joe. And and so you haven't looked back since. Yeah, I've I've done uh, some work on the side where we were still uh, modeling out uh, different components that we then folded back into our healthcare products. And I'll just give one example of that. So we did a couple of products in hospitality that were also around behavioral change, um, really with the intent of looking at how do you apply some of the components of hospitality to the healthcare space. We did them directly in hospitality to test them out there and then ported them over. So we've done a, a, some things in some other arenas, but, but I'd say 85% in healthcare. Wow. Very interesting. And so I love that you have thought about, you know, what can we pull from hospitality into into healthcare? Because today we really don't treat patients as as consumers, but I also feel like we're heading that way. What would you say a couple of the insights that you gained through those projects were? So the insights of looking at other industries and their areas of excellence is something that I've thought a lot about throughout my entire career, because there are things that are assumptions in hospitality that are just not assumptions in healthcare. Like if you smile at a customer in a hotel, they're going to smile back and they'll probably have a better experience. And so just like some basic things over there and looking at how we could port them over into healthcare. Now, some of that is really difficult in healthcare because obviously the dynamics are completely different and the risks are different and the pressures are different, but there's actually more similar than people would think. There's a lot of really high pressured moments with customers. So that was one area that we really focused on was how to get people to navigate the emotional intensity of dealing with a customer and then over on the other side with patients who were really agitated and how to sort of calm them down and move that into a different space. So that was one clear thing, I guess, that we we, we worked on. Yeah, that's really interesting. We definitely need to start seeing more of this as we transition into a more value-based healthcare system. It's definitely important for us to start thinking about the people that we take care of as more than just patients. So it's uh, super encouraging to see that you guys have worked on products in, in that realm. So tell us a little bit more about your current venture and the vision and sort of where you see this going. 
So one of the things that happened in Cognotion as we were working on this talent shortage was I got to see sort of what it was like for the workers. So we were not just focused on improving the patient, but we also really wanted to improve the worker experience. And one of the complexities in that company was that we didn't have as much control over what happened to them once they got hired. So my initial vision for a trustee was to look at, could we create a system that would enable us to upskill people to work in the healthcare space, but provide a value to consumers that was valuable enough that they would purchase it. And that's a tall order. And I think, I think we've hit on something, but it's, but we're still working out some of the pieces. But essentially what we're doing is creating this system that is a streamlined version of applying for all the kinds of government services you need in healthcare, starting with Medicare and then Medigap and Medicaid. And the reason for that is sort of known to anybody who's ever tried to sign up for any of these things. But for those of you who haven't, it's extremely complex and it's catastrophic if you do it wrong. And the penalties and the things that can go wrong if you do it wrong can last for the rest of your life. But we knew that people, a certain percentage, were going to want to use just a pure technology platform that's sort of like similar to like kind of a TurboTax kind of thing. But we also knew people were going to want to talk to live people. And so we said, why don't we create a new role, like a new healthcare role that is like a Medicaid, Medicare expert a person who knows the ins and the outs of that and create a new space. And can we look at other places in the market where there's a market need and develop worker groups that have value where the salaries could potentially be higher than they would be in other spaces? So that sort of evolution has gone in that direction of, again, providing a real benefit to our customer, but then also looking at how we can get more people into the space because it's really necessary. You're asking some really great questions, Joe. And, you know, it's interesting how you've approached this, um, just kind of taking a look at the market need. I mean, I'll give you an example. I I recently had a a colleague retire and she was just trying to figure out what to do with her Medicare, Medicaid, and it was confusing and she didn't know what to do. And it was a, a very opaque process. And like you said, the results, if you do it wrong, could be detrimental for a very long time. Yeah. And so I think you, you're definitely onto something here, Joe. And the other thing that I really liked about the way you're approaching this is searching for a market of underutilized workers. And so very cool approach that you've taken here for, a, I think, a, a segment of the population that's going to be needing more and more of these services. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that we know after working in this space is that the aging market really needs some smart minds to be focused on it. It's. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we know how much it's going to impact the economy over the course of the next 15 years, but the numbers are staggering. And we're already sort of behind the ball on it a little bit. So trying to get out in front of that a little bit. I think there's a lot of room for innovation in the space and people looking at the space from different angles. Yeah, and you're definitely taking a, a really great crack at it, Joe. So can you describe, and I know you guys are, are early on with this one, but maybe share a story from Cognotion of a time when you guys created results or improved outcomes by doing things differently. Sure. So um, I'll give one example. We, early on in the company, got hired by the Ministry of Health of Saudi Arabia. 
and they have an RFP that they basically put in front of us because nobody else would take it. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> so this was about five, four years ago, I guess. It was at the height of the, the Ebola issue, mm, right? Okay. And yep. this was four weeks before the Hajj, where millions of people were going to descend on Saudi Arabia from Africa, and they had done no preparation with the country to prepare for what could have been an outbreak in Saudi Arabia. So they asked us to build out a complete training program for all of their medical professionals and to staff a call center uh, for the Hajj that had to be aligned to the CDC standards, which were changing every single day at that time. Mm -hmm. So we had to create this whole system like very quickly that had to embed in it the information had to be presented to the doctors and the nurses and orderlies in a way where it would really stick because the consequences of us getting it wrong could be just terrible, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't say like for certain, you know, this is all attributed to us, obviously, but there was no Ebola outbreak and the, awesome. the system did function exactly as it was supposed to. So that was one thing where we felt like, oh, hey, that was, that was good. <laughs> good. We didn't get that one wrong. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, sort of a, a larger one. But then we've had a lot of uh, other really interesting successes. So in part of our um, program was training people to become uh, certified nursing assistants. And one of the first things that we observed was that there's a real problem with retention, which is a known thing, but people hadn't really looked into in detail why that was happening. And so we spent a bunch of time just following um, CNAs around and realized that a big reason why they were leaving the job was for things like dealing with racism or dealing with uh, families like screaming at them or time management and some things we couldn't control for, but preparing them emotionally to be able to deal with those things has yes. resulted in a much higher retention uh, rate with the people that we've trained. And it's surprising. It's like all you're doing is showing people that they are capable of doing this thing. And then when they show up, if they've already gone through it, and some of that, we've uh, the theory of that, we based on a lot of work that was done in the military. They've really pioneered a lot of this type of training, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of odd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it's very effective. That's fascinating. And there's been a theme here, Joe, and you know, in, in, in our conversation, but also in conversations that we've been having with other health leaders that are having success. And the theme is that in healthcare, true innovation is actually amazing implementation. So if you could yeah. implement things <laughs> well, then you're the innovator. And there's no doubt in my mind that you're a master implementer. What's your secret? Uh, <laughs> try, try again. <laughs> Don't give up is my secret. I, I think, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I joke, but, but not completely. Mm -hmm. I think that a big mistake that younger entrepreneurs make, especially I'm seeing this in digital health, is thinking that they've come up with an idea and that they have a brilliant idea. Maybe they work in healthcare even and they have a brilliant idea. They see a problem. They build something to solve that problem. And then they try and push that solution onto the system. And it doesn't really work that way. It's a lot of like feedback loop 
of iterating and iterating and iterating both on the product itself, but also on the business model and yes. sort of looking at how you can have the entry points that are actually going to stick. And I think that that's an, if I could say anything to myself from 20 years ago, that would be the, the thing like, don't think you're so smart from the beginning. Look yeah. around. It's okay to take in new information and to shift accordingly. And even with Trusty, we started out with a, we, we were very clear. We're like, we have a very clear idea of what we're going to do. We tested it for two months and realized that out of the 40 things we thought we were going to do, 39 of them had about 600 hits and one of them had 15,000. Wow. So even in this short period of time, we had to, we said, okay, I guess the market is speaking to us. Um, yes. So I think that that kind of thing of, of not, not being afraid to go where the market is leading you. What a great message. Listeners, if you didn't catch that, I would recommend that you hit that rewind button, the one with 15 seconds, and hit it about three times <laughs> and re-listen to that because that was gold right there. Joe, appreciate you sharing your wisdom there. There's no doubt that it's, it is a pathway to make these ideas work because these things are not going to work on the first run. And so did you just put your ideas out there through like uh, Google AdWords or how did you get the hits? So with Trusty, we were looking at two different um, models of selling, either to en enterprise with partnerships, which is a long road. And mm -hmm. we knew that because Cognotion sells to skilled nursing facilities, and those are very long uh, sales cycles. Sales cycles, yeah. We also wanted to see if we could do direct to consumer. And our initial concept was really much broader than what we're doing now. Initially, we had thought, well, we'll get people connected with the entire ecosystem of people that can help them as they're aging from elder care lawyers to financial advisors to caregivers sort of have a one-stop shop which would have involved a lot of buildup of a two-sided marketplace where you're getting in workers and consumers which is very difficult but we were like let's put this out there we tested using Google AdWords, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. We also went to different message boards where users were located and did some advertising there. And then did some advertising in person, seeing you know, what kind of word of mouth effect we could have. Could be generated, um, yeah. yeah, and so it just was really it was really interesting. There were a lot of reasons why I said data makes sense to me now that out of all of those different services, almost everybody was asking about how do I navigate Medicare, which we had put in almost as an aside, which huh. is, you know, it's an interesting thing. I was like, I was like, oh, let's just throw that in. A friend of mine said that that's a problem for her. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm very grateful for her. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And, and listeners, you got to listen to the market, right? And, and be persistent and much to Joe's great example and, and walking us through his process. I mean, it's so key that you don't just put it out there. If you build it, doesn't mean they're going to come. And so, Joe, thanks for walking us through that. I think is a very helpful uh, lesson. Absolutely. So share with us a time when you had a setback or a failure and what you learned from it. There are so many. <laughs> <laughs> so I will give one particular failure, which sort of builds on the last thing that I was saying. Yes. So about six years ago, we built out a product and it was in the foreign language space. And so again, this is one of the side projects. 
But we raised a significant amount of capital for it. We saw that there was a clear problem. And the, the problem that we were trying to solve was that Americans don't believe that they can learn a foreign language. So we said, okay, we're going to create a system that is going to be a really effective mechanism to learn a foreign language. Spent a, a ton of money on it, spent a full year building out this program. At the end of the program, we won all these awards for it because the people in the industry thought it was great. Nobody bought it. And it was, it's one of those things where like, it's beautiful. It's in an ideal world. Yeah. People would use it. It's really right. great. But are they going to buy it? Probably not because it's not, it's not an essential. And I think that that lesson is sort of what has, you know, it was a, it was a real moment of understanding that you, like, it doesn't matter how many times you've done it. I'd already had to exit that at that point. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget the humility of like, you don't know anything until you see stuff actually happening. And yeah, that was a big and, one. And Joe, thank you for sharing that. You know, I mean, I've been in that, in, in those shoes before as well. And what was the miss on that one? A couple of things. So the first one was our channel uh, partner in that we had a distribution deal signed before we started building. So we saw it. It was a shoe-in, large distributor, yeah. one of the largest publishers in the country. What we didn't realize was that for them, there was really no incentive to push it because it wasn't going to drive their sales. The individual salespeople would get such a small incremental increase. There was no benefit to them. So first of all, our sales channel was not incentivized. Secondly, uh, people were not purchasing uh, foreign language products in the school systems as much as they said that they would have wanted to. So a lot of times people say that they want to purchase something, but if you don't test to see, are they going to actually do it, then it's not really worth much. (laughs) Um, So I think that that was the second piece. And the third piece, and I think that this is really applicable to digital health, is that there are a lot of things that seem nice on paper, but if they add time to teacher in this case's uh, day or the doctor's day, it doesn't matter how good it is, they're just not going to use it. And I think that those are the three components. And that time factor is, I think, a thing that gets really overlooked, especially in healthcare. What a great call out. Some great lessons there. Joe, how about the other side? You took us to the darkness. Take us to the light and (laughs) (laughs) tell us about one of your proudest leadership experiences that you've experienced to date. About a year Two years ago, we brought on a man named Dennis, and we're a New York-based company, very LGBT-friendly, very diverse. And Dennis is from Kentucky, lives in Kentucky, is salt of the earth, but very sort of from Kentucky person, (laughs) one of like best people I've ever met in my life. And so if we say ironically that he was our diversity, so he... um, (laughs) That's funny. He he hadn't been the salesperson. He had run um, some nursing homes himself, but he had just this really great touch. And we had this idea of what if we hired people from the region they were selling into and see if that would work more effectively. And watching him grow into his leadership role and seeing him close our biggest deals was, I mean, it's just beautiful when you yeah. see that happening. We, yeah. It's like if you have kids and you see them surpass you, it's just a great feeling to see that somebody brought on who didn't even know if they could do something steps into their 
strengths and it's resulted in the biggest sales for the company. So, so both of those things, it's, it's more that I'm proud that not to visualize that, but I'm proud of actually doing something. But I, yeah. I but I, yeah, for sure. That's great. And you know, Joe, that speaks to the leader that you are. I ask you for one of your proudest moments and you go to an, a moment that, you know, was obviously good for your company, but it was seeing this person grow. And listeners, if you catch anything from that, you know, you got to be very focused on both your business, but your people, because if your people are doing well, so is your business. And, and Joe, you identified an unlikely uh, person as it related to your firm, but you did it in a very, um, very eloquent way. And you found a way to, to make it work for you guys. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of the best people I've ever met. So we're lucky <laughs> to have him. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit more about an exciting project or focus that you could tell us about within your, your current uh, venture. Yeah. So as we started mapping out what it is that we're working on, it became clear that the problem that we're trying to address is something that will then anybody in the country will benefit from. And that the deeper that we sort of dove into it, the more that we realized that this is a pretty green field. And that is pretty exciting. So to, it's pretty rare as an entrepreneur to approach a space and to see that innovation could really be applied to a large market and that there aren't a lot of people already doing that. So I would say that's pretty exciting. And part of the reason why that is the case is there's um, a lot of the rules around uh, the data have changed and have gone into effect in the past couple of years. And then there's a lot of interesting things happening related to Medicare because of the tax code and the new tax bill and how that's going to change everybody's plans. So I get really excited when you see a big problem that is like a crazy complex puzzle, but you start to sort of see how you can map out pulling together different fragmented pieces to create a simplified solution. That's my, that's the, the thing that really gets me going and is motivating to me. And the other thing that I'm really, I guess I'll, I'll share just a quick brief personal story about why this is meaningful for me. Sure. So about a year and a half ago, my brother, my, he's a year younger than me, got into a severe car accident. Oh, no. And he's fine now. Oh, thank you. Thank God. I've I've been remiss in telling people that, but he's on the road to recovery. He's okay. Um, But he broke his his neck, shattered his pelvis, broke his jaw. It was was just, he was a disaster. It was terrible. And he lives in Nashville. uh, And I flew out to visit him the next day, the next morning. It seems like I get the next flight. And the surgeon comes in that morning. And he looks at me and he says, well, it looks like we're going to have to release your brother because he doesn't have insurance. And he still needed more surgeries. So we were, of course, like, yeah, no, (laughs) that's not going to happen. So two things happened in that. We had to go through all of the headache of getting somebody signed up for Medicaid retroactively figure out all these systems, try to figure out how he could get the care that he needed. Meanwhile, we're like, is he going to make it? And going through that experience of realizing like how the complexity of bureaucracy intersects with people's lives. My brother was lucky. He had me, he had my parents there advocating for him, but a lot of people don't have that. And so when they go to face signing up for these uh, different offerings that the government has for them, it's just daunting and overwhelming. And in that case, if he hadn't have had us 
who knows what have happened what would have happened to him so for me the idea of being able to address something that is a real technical problem really it's like a system problem yes but that it will have that kind of impact on families lives it's a rare opportunity and i'm pretty excited about it that is super exciting joe and I'm glad your brother's doing well and sort of the silver lining in this whole thing is that this hardship that you experienced, that your family experienced and your brother is now going to be the beacon that helps others make it easier for them. So super cool. Yeah, we're pretty excited. (laughs) That's so awesome, Joe. Oh man, I'm so thrilled for you and your team. Definitely looking forward to following you guys. Getting close to the end of the interview here. I always wish that I had uh, more time, but all good things must come to an end as well, including this interview. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part of the interview where we do a lightning round. I've got four questions for you. And then we're going to follow that with the book that you recommend to the listeners. So this is the little mini course that we're putting together for our listeners. It's the 101 of Joe Schneier. And so on how to be the best in medicine. So here we go. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Transparency. I think that that's the biggest thing that needs to shift in the market and with companies and the whole system. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Thinking you can sell easily into hospital systems. <laughs> uh, I love that. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it's not it is easy. impossible. <laughs> oh, it's possible. It's very hard. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's possible, but it's, it's possible. Hard. Yeah, that's right. Good distinction. Good distinction. <laughs> How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think that uh, goes to this shift between big data to rich data, which is kind of just, you know, jargon that people are throwing around, but really looking at how do we use all of this data in a way that keeps it relevant. And there are lots of ways to do that now. There hasn't been a time before in the past where technology has, where it hasn't been easier than it is today. So I think that's the biggest thing. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in an organization? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I think for us, and this is just for me, I'm not sure if this would be relevant for others, but I always try to remember the humanity of the people I work with and the people that we're serving and not forget that there are real people on both sides of that. And I think through that, you can really develop great products. It keeps you closer in touch with your customers. It gives you a better feel for what they're going to want, but it also is just a better way to live, I guess. So Totally. What a great share. And Joe, what book would you recommend as part of the syllabus to the listeners? I really enjoyed reading the book, An American Sickness. So I highly recommend that. I I'm not good with names and don't remember the name of the author. I'm sorry. No but, problem. Um, it gives a really good overview for people who are not professionals in the space about how the healthcare system in the U.S. got to this point, And it's quite good. An American Sickness. And I just looked it up, listeners. It is Elizabeth Rosenthal. So Hi. there you have it. Some amazing recommendations from our friend Joe. Don't worry about writing any of them down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash trusty, T-R-U-S-T-Y. And you're going to find all the show notes, a transcript, as well as the best places to get in touch with Joe. So Joe, what I'll do is leave it to you to give us a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. So my my closing thought is just that healthcare is definitely desperately in need of great minds that are willing to look at how do we solve real problems that 
both sides of the equation need, both the, the doctors as well as the patients. And especially in the aging space, it's not a space that seems sexy, but it is one of the largest, fastest growing areas of the industry. And I am looking for smarter people to come alongside us and uh, join up with this. And I can be reached at, we've got a Facebook page uh, that's uh, Your Trustee Care, or um, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, my email is joe at trustee.care. Outstanding. Joe, this has been awesome. This has been insightful. And we really appreciate your time here on the podcast. Well, thank you. It's great being here. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.